We're recording today from gorgeous Phoenix, Arizona. My friend and mommy blogger Meg is joining me today for the first of our two-part series called Poised for a Fight. We'll be talking about how our past abusive relationships have resulted in us being poised for a fight. Welcome to Candidly Creative, a bi-weekly podcast from Creatively Caitlin that focuses on open, honest conversations. If you like what you hear, follow me on Instagram at creatively underscore Caitlin, or head to my website, www.caitlinnorum.com. So Mix Brink is a mommy blogger focusing on raising her daughter, Rowan, with her fiance, Dakota, who is type 1 diabetic. Their main focus is on health, nutrition, and personal growth. So thank you so much for joining us today. Love to be here. It's awesome. Talking about our experiences in abusive relationships, you know, why we stayed and how it has affected us today. I know in my experience, my ex-fiance was an alcoholic and, you know, it ended up being not just verbally and emotionally abusive, but eventually physically abusive. Yeah, no, I definitely can relate to that. Um, Again, I, you know, hate going severely, severely deep into the past, but I really think it's important to um, look at the past so you can... You know, analyze what happened and ultimately you know help other people so uh, with my past and him it was almost like uh, you know, we got together extremely young I was you know 17 and we got married when I was 20 so it was very very quick it was the puppy dog infatuation and it was just you're my you're my everything you know Bonnie and Clyde status and everything like that um, and I didn't really recognize the warning signs because I think it was ultimately there, but it progressed um, after we got married even more so. Right. And I think that's kind of how a lot of our experiences have been where there's this infatuation moment where you fall in love so deep, so hard, and you expect them to be your everything and they treat you like you're their everything. So you start becoming dependent upon each other. Um, I know for me personally, I ended up staying in my, my past abusive relationships because I honestly just had a lot of like low self-esteem. Um, it almost felt like they were the only one that I could get, and every relationship seemed to solidify that. Everything they said was, you know, oh, I'm you're so difficult to deal with. I, I'm the only one who's ever going to put up with your stuff. And ultimately it just was, I'll settle for something because at least it's better than nothing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I get that. I get the low self-esteem. I was, uh, I grew up in the spotlight. I was an, a young actress and you know, singer, model, all that stuff. Um, so I, I always put on a facade of having this really high, you know, self-confidence and self-esteem. Uh, whereas, you know, deep down, I was you know, suffocating because I wanted that recognition. And getting with somebody at such a young age, he gave that to me, and that's what I really, really craved. So even though the abuse started to happen and I did start to notice the warning signs after we got married, you know, in our tender age, I still stayed because I was like, well, he's giving me, you know, the attention that I'm wanting because I still continued, you know, my career while I was with him. Um, So he was almost like a safe zone, even though he was abusive. Right. And I know you've explained in the past that there's no 
real reason that people are able to say, I know I allowed it, so it's my fault. But as we, of course, you know, finally exit these situations, we learn that it's not our fault. But when you're in the relationship, you sit and you just think that if you act better or if you do something different, if maybe dinner was on the table when they got home, Mm -hmm. maybe they'd be happier and it wouldn't be a problem. I know with my ex, it was if I didn't ever go out drinking, I would never, ever smell like alcohol and he would never be triggered, which while that's partially true, it's also not entirely my responsibility to control his alcohol cravings. Um, we never kept alcohol in the house. You know, I limited how many times I went out, but eventually my bar became my safe zone where if I felt he was either being really abusive or actually was attacking me, I knew I could go escape there. And the workers and my friends that were there on a general basis would always be willing to help me with whatever I needed. And if he had shown up to the bar, they would have, without question, made sure that I was safe. And I don't know, did you have that same safe kind of haven anywhere in your life or were you just stuck in the relationship? No, it's it's a really, you know, interesting question because I almost hid or made excuses for his behavior. So that's when I did start to recognize that things were wrong, if you will. And I would see, you know, my other friends who were in really healthy relationships and just crave that relationship and want to put on this, you know, facade that we had the same thing. So I didn't necessarily have a safe place because I didn't want to let people in and know how bad it truly was. Yeah, that totally makes sense. I know I made a lot of excuses in my family events um, Mm -hmm. because I know we were often invited for you know, Christmas or birthday parties, and he didn't want to show up or he was drunk and couldn't be brought. And it became this, like, cycle of, why is this happening? Oh, it's fine. You know, he's just really tired. He had to work really late, an extra shift. It was was always my responsibility to cover for him. Totally. And I know, like, a lot of people don't want to talk about, you know, why women stay in these abusive relationships because it doesn't make any sense. It's pretty much nonsensical. Um, You know, you're sitting there hiding from your family because you just don't want to tell them how bad things are. You don't want to admit that you fell in love with someone who's kind of terrible. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, you want to have that independence still. It's just, it's really hard. So for me, I end up staying a lot of times, not just, not just because of the low self-esteem, but also because when he was drunk, he was a different person. He was a very abusive, very negative person, but when he was actually sober and good time of his daily or weekly basic cycle, he was great to me. He treated me really nicely. He would make me dinner. Like he did what he could to almost, it seemed like make up for the bad times. And, you know, we laughed together. We had fun. It wasn't like everything in the world was all bad. So it felt like it was fine. Everyone goes through rough times. Right. Oh my gosh, a hundred percent. And like I said before, I, I just thought it was normal. Like our fights would lead into, you know, uh, physical fights. And it was just one of those things where, oh, well, every couple deals with this. I'm, I'm not alone in there. I mean, did you kind of, you know, similar experiences? Yeah. And honestly, even before my, my ex-fiance, my, my first husband, um, sounds like I've gotten married a lot, <laughs> just like long-term relationships. Um, my husband was, to me, in my in my state now, I think we were toxic together. But in my state then, he was emotionally abusive to me. And we would get into points where it's like, it would get physical. And mm-hmm. it would be both of us 
getting physical. Right. So it's not like it was him. Exactly. It would be me hitting too. So who's really to blame here? Right. So there's not an excuse of, oh, it's just him. It's he's the bad person. It's, well, I'm bad too. So ultimately, when, when it comes down to it, we've obviously we've been through the abusive relationships. We have this track record of making really solid life choices. And at some point, we've obviously determined that we were leaving those situations because we are thankfully no longer in those dangerous situations. What made you finally want to leave? It's a really hard question to analyze because I still ask myself this four years later, why I did ultimately leave. And I think looking back and truly analyzing the entire situation, I knew even when we were saying our marriage vows that this was not right. Something just in the back of my mind said, this is not right. This is unhealthy. This is wrong. Get out now. But I was already, you know, too deep. So, you know, I stayed. I, you know, again, kept living this life that... I wanted my family to be proud of. I, you know, was living and still in the spotlight and, um, you know, was a young actress and had this, you know, handsome husband and um, we just, you know, went on adventures and whatever. So it was this picture perfect life. But ultimately, every day, I think deep down, I asked myself, when will I leave? And it wasn't until we moved to uh, Green Bay, Wisconsin where he had um, received a job offer and we had picked up our entire life from Southern California and moved to Wisconsin and again one of our many adventures and it was great Um, but it was the time there that I started to realize this is not healthy and whether that be age whether I started to grow up and you know really understand that this abuse was not normal I just started to really put the, the puzzle pieces together Um, I do have a really interesting story. When we sat down uh, to watch the movie uh, La La Land with Emma Stone, um, fantastic movie. Did you ever see that, Caitlin? I actually have still not seen it. You keep getting on me for it, and I will eventually see it. (laughs) Yeah, it's fabulous. And, of course, it spoke to, you know, my heart because, you know, as an actress and wanting to, you know, be famous and live in the Hollywood limelight, it really spoke to me. So I remember watching it with him, and... I said to myself in my mind as we were watching it together and while, you know, holding his hand, I said, this is my way out. I can move to LA. I can pursue this career, something that I put on the back burner, you know, because I married him so young. And I I did. I, I cried myself to sleep that night because I was like, why did I do this? Why did I marry him and give up on myself and my dream? And um, I formulated a plan I, you know, found a place to live. I had secured a job in Los Angeles and ultimately just told him goodbye and we could still maintain a relationship. And once I, um, you know, landed a gig out there and whatever, maybe he could join me because we were, you know, again, adventurous. Um, but I think ultimately I knew that was my only way out to make this big extravaganza Right, and sometimes this is a weird catalyst, like, I love how pop culture can affect us that way, whether it's a song or a movie that just inspires us to, like, look a little bit at the situation a bit differently, and like, hey, maybe it's time to be done. And in my situation, actually, interesting story too, but very much different, because <laughs> mine ended on, like, in a very abusive note. I was planning to go down for my nephew's birthday, and I wanted to see my best friend in town, and he didn't want to come with me the day early. I just didn't want to. He could have come. He was off work. 
And so I suggested that he ride down with my dad who was coming the next day. He flat out refused and threw this huge fit about how he didn't want to be in the car with my dad for that many hours, didn't like him. And I was very confused because so far in the relationship, everything had been, you know, I made it very clear that my family was very important to me and he'd always participated in everything. Um, And I drove down um, and was staying with my best friend that that first night uh, before I had planned to go over to the party the next day and the entire ride down I'm just getting these abusive horrible texts and phone calls from him just basically upset and I could tell that he had been drinking you can tell in that voice um that there's something off Mm. and he was just being so mean and hurtful and just he was probably hurt that I left without him but I gave him the opportunity to join me I gave him a second opportunity to join with my dad. I didn't know a different path forward, and there's no reason for the reaction to me. And then I was hanging out with my best friend that night, and I was getting calls and text messages of him saying, again, these horrific things, like that I'm going to be out cheating on him with my best friend, and just, you know, obviously I, I don't love him, and just being crazy because I decided to go down to my nephew's birthday party by myself. God forbid. Right? So the next day, he apparently had sobered up for the time being and was profusely apologetic. And at that point, I was already at the party and I just had said in a text back to him, like, you chose not to be here. I have to be present at the party. I made that choice and that commitment to be here for my nephew. And I'm not going to be involved in this conversation. And I tried my best to avoid the conversation with him and tried to avoid my phone. But of course, when you're in that emotional state, it's a little bit difficult (laughs) Mm-hmm. to not look at your phone 40,000 times. Right. So I know I was visibly upset, obviously, the whole party. My parents were very concerned. And on the way back up, I gave him a call, and, you know, I assumed he was going to be very, you know, still profusely apologetic and just really, really wanting to make things right. And he was, again, worse, saying that it was my fault, just being mean and rude and things that you I would never imagine saying to someone that I love and got off the phone with him I drove the rest of the the three-hour trip home and I walked in the door started packing my bags I told my parents I'm like I'll be over with several bags tonight and I don't want to talk about it (laughs) and of course they're like you know you have a key come on in Um, And I literally just left him on the spot. I took as much as possible that would fit in my car. Mm -hmm. And I told him flat out, I'm like, if you get drunk and destroy my stuff, I will sue you. And like threatened him. And he's, he was upset, of course, and crying. And um, it made me feel horrible. Like maybe he does want to change. And, and maybe it's, it is really just me being difficult and not willing to bend. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, I saw over the next like month as we were, I was officially moving out and we continued talking because I still held on to a little hope that my leaving would trigger something that would fix him (laughs) and he'd want to do better. Unfortunately, that was not the case. And, you know, uh, it was just a point where it took a lot for me to decide that I was actually more important and more valuable than what he told me that I was. Even when he was sober, he was super nice and loving. You know, you take the person at their best and their worst. And if you're not willing to take them at their worst, you don't want to be with that person. Wow. Yeah, that's crazy. Um, I think it's it's interesting because, I mean, I know you, Caitlin, and I have had many conversations that we're just both empaths. 
and especially I think in our younger years, you know, when we're learning and we're, like I said, trying to make sense of the world, we're, we're just more susceptible to wanting and desiring, you know, these people to love us, you know, and, and we want to fix and help all these people because it makes us feel good. Oh yeah. We're a lot of fixers. That's the fun empath game. Like who doesn't want to fix a narcissist? No one more than the empath. Mm, Yup. <laughs> There's not a single statement that ever says, you know, I left because it was time. I left because, you know, it made sense to. There's always something that's really unique about the scenarios that the person finally decides enough's enough. And thankfully in both of our scenarios, you know, it was safe to leave. Uh, yeah, thank God. Like, <clears throat> I, I can't even imagine because, I mean, there were so many times where it wasn't safe. So <laughs> it's like timing is everything. Right. And, and honestly, if you're in a relationship that you are being abused and you are ready to get out of it, accept whatever helps in the community. I know I relied heavily on my friends and family and even some of the people that were not close friends <laughs> just because I needed assistance and support in a very difficult time and there's always resources for women and honestly any man who's in an abusive relationship also has the same resources available to them you just have to be willing to ask for help so never stay in a bad situation and in a dangerous situation for you I deeply encourage you to find help and get out Um, but obviously as we've said today it's not as simple as anyone thinks you stay because it just makes sense. And, and thankfully, in both of our situations, we didn't have extra ties. We didn't have kids. Yes, um, you had dogs, and I had an entire life that I had built with him. And it's just, it's it's easier to leave when you don't have a kid attached to you that's also worried about daddy. But obviously, you want to make sure that you and the ones you care about are taken care of and safe. Mm-hmm. Um, I recently, in my current relationship, which is thankfully very healthy, he actually had called me out hard. And I don't like being called out, but... Um, every once in a while, you got to be. <laughs> and he had mentioned to me, he's like, you know, you seem like you're always poised for a fight. And it kind of made me stop. And I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, you automatically are ready to just either defensively, like, guard yourself against whatever's going on or jump on the attack right away. And I realized that I truly am. I'm ready to defend my myself my opinion my body my everything because I've been in these traumatic situations that you know have really scarred the the trust <laughs> ability <laughs> um, and I think that's super interesting is in a psychological aspect that people who have gone through abusive relationships tend to be seen as more difficult yes. sometimes because they're ready to defend themselves finally they're ready to not go into those situations that were bad again, and they will do everything in their power to stay safe, and that comes off a bit aggressive. Uh, and uh, have you had those same experiences where you're just you're having these fights with with the fiance and everything? Oh my gosh, yes. So I mean, like Caitlin, I mean, I also too am now in a very healthy relationship, luckily, and thank God. Um, but it's true; uh, the majority of our fights are me just having this post-traumatic stress of even if he says the slightest thing I totally revert back to oh that sounds you know somewhat a resemblance to what my ex-husband said so I'm going to react the same way I did but with aggression 
to protect myself. And honestly, sometimes it's not even the same way. It's it's that I'm, I'm reacting in a way that is exact opposite of what I reacted like then. Right. Because mm-hmm. I don't want to be that person anymore. So I find that I go, instead of being the submissive, just like, okay, whatever mm-hmm. you want, honey, I am the more aggressive now where I will never allow myself to be in those Correct. situations. So it's just, I react stronger than I used to. Yeah. Yeah, I think what I what I was saying. So thank you for correcting me on that. Um, I think what I was uh, meaning to say was reacting the same way internally and realize like being submissive and I don't want to be that way. So I'm going to lash out now mm, because yeah. I don't like how the old me was like. Oh yeah, okay, you're right. I remember even when my ex husband and I were fighting, I would literally say, "Yes, sir." to just get him off my back and that makes me cringe so hard and I'm like who was that girl so whenever he says something in the slightest that just you know irks me in just a wrong way or makes me feel less I just become unglued and what's really funny is that I know that um my boyfriend and your fiance are both very much not trying to say anything that's bad (laughs) and they're honestly coming from places that are like really good places and you know I think what was one of my other fights uh, we were talking about marriage and in general we thought about it and he had mentioned something as simple as I want to make sure that the person I marry is the person I want to have kids with Mm -hmm. so I'm careful to choose that person and I really want to make sure we don't fight in front of the kids. Some basic, like, just conversational, which are really good to know and l- learn and absorb. And in my head, it was like, you wouldn't tell me this if you didn't think that I wasn't doing these things and I wasn't going to be a good match. Oh, my gosh. Because that's what I'm used to. I'm used to someone just telling me, you have to be different. You have to do this. So I, of course, was like, so what do you mean by that? <laughs> It's my favorite, like, not passive-aggressive, but I guess it is kind of passive-aggressive. So what do you mean by that? I was honest. I was curious, but I was, like, already getting heated. Oh, no, of course. And he's just like, I don't know. We're on the same page. Mm-hmm. I don't know what the problem is here. I'm like, I'm just saying your words and your actions are different, so I don't think we're on the same page. And it took him probably, like, 10 minutes to get the conversation back to the reality and <laughs> and come back to, no, we are legitimately on the same page take a freaking breath Caitlin I mean, he didn't actually say that of course but it was it's the basically the, the the short version of what happened because I took a full cycle of conversation and it is amazing how misconstrued it got like at what point though and this is what I struggle with you know on the daily is at what point do you realize that you're doing this honestly it takes a lot I spent um so from my so my ex-husband, who was, again, we were both toxic together, so we were abusive to each other. We're both at fault um, of being these terrible people that brought up terribleness in others. So that relationship probably took me a good solid eight years to heal from and understand what went wrong and accept my peace in it and say, you know what? We made mistakes. We both learned from them and are both ready to move on. And it's just becoming like really rare, even with this, with my ex-fiance, it is, it's one of those where I realized for the first time that I was doing a pattern (laughs) Mm -hmm. 
And I didn't like that pattern because all of my boyfriends have always been in some way, way, shape or form, not good. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I started really watching who I'm, what I'm saying and who I'm saying it to. So I started doing the, um, watching a lot of YouTubers, honestly, that talked about positivity and how you change your life and taking stock in, you know, how do I stay positive each day, which sounds really just annoying. Like, oh my God, guys, let's be positive and happy all the time. But the truth of the matter is you have to rewire your brain. And instead of being negative all the time, I spend a lot of energy and effort now saying, okay, I'm pissy about this, this, and this. Mm -hmm. Is it really, truly a bad thing? Or is it just me being pissy for no reason? Like, is it coming from a good place? Is it coming from a mean place? Like, I I check other people first. So I like to step step into someone else's shoes and say, okay, here's here's what they're seeing from me. Here's how they're reacting would they react in a way that's trying to hurt me or are they trying to understand what the heck I'm trying to do and changing your own behavior and recognizing when it happens. Yeah. I'm not good at that either, which is why the boyfriend likes to call me out (laughs) and say, um, I don't need to prove this to you. You don't have to mother me. I can live life just fine without you. I just want you in it. So it's the, it's the stopping the control that we've, we now crave yeah. Um, and kind of lessening our anxiety somehow. And it's such a confusing thing because there's no clear answer here for you, which is not helping. Um, but <laughs> Well, I don't have one either. So. <laughs> right. So it's, to me, it's really, in relationships at least, I think it's kind of, as always, my two main things in relationships have always been expectations and communication. I expect him at this point to be okay with calling me out and saying, listen, you're being a lot. And he's going to expect me to not want to attack him because of that. (laughs) I know. (laughs) Shocking. And then we both grow from that moment. Um, And so far we've only had, you know, a few of those difficult days and, you know, you grow through it and learn and are by no means am I saying that our relationship is perfect because that's just silly. But I think he makes an effort to understand who I am and I make an effort to understand what triggers me and either avoid or know it's coming and work to lessen my reaction. Mm -hmm. It's almost like the count to 10 before you respond, which is silly when you say it that way. But really it is like before you respond, like make sure it's actually what you want to say because to me, and I'm sure in our past especially, words were some of the most hurtful things. Like, you could hit me, I don't, don't care. Exactly. But as soon as you start those word fights, it's like, you're breaking my soul now. Exactly. So next week, Meg is joining me to continue this conversation about being poised for a fight, but swapping from romantic relationships into friendships. Because I, th- I find that people are still poised to fight with their friends and our past abuse and our past relationships have changed how we interact with our friends and how we trust. So we'll see you next week. If you'd like to know more about Meg and her blog and brand, you can find her on Instagram at Meg Sprink, which is at M-E-G-S-P-R-I-N-K. Wow. Thanks for having me. I, it's, it's a tough topic. It really is because even I'm unsure really of 
you know, why I am the way I am or, you know, why I left. So all these things are such an intricate puzzle that I am still trying to figure out daily. And that's okay. That's why I love psychology. Every time we learn more about ourselves, we can discover why we do what we do. And we as women love to know why things happen. Oh, yeah. Love it. All right. Thank you so much for listening to your podcast. And we'll see you in two weeks. If you like what you hear on this podcast, head over to my website, www.caitlinnorm.com, and sign up for my creative circle. My creative circle gets notifications of new episodes of the podcast, new blogs, and information that I know you'll love. Stay safe, stay healthy, stay creative. Thank you.